Did I say Amos 4? Okay, Amos 4. Let's, let's pray and then we're going to look at Amos. Father, thank you for this evening. I am so grateful for the folks that you've brought out uh, to study the scriptures and to pray. And we want to be serious as we pray. So focus our minds. Bless these young people, particularly that have joined us this evening. We ask for uh, all of us to have that understanding spirit and, uh, and wisdom to discern what your will is for us individually and for us as a church. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amos chapter 4, we're going to pick it up in verse 6, and he's going to describe some uh, natural disasters, some tragedies that uh, are going on. And I just want you to think in terms of, have we seen any of those here recently in, in, in our area or in our, our nation? So Amos chapter 4 verse 6 says this, And I also have sent, no, I read that wrong. Amos 4, 6, and I also have given you cleanness of teeth in all your cities and want of bread in all your places, yet ye have not returned unto me, saith the Lord. What's that first tragedy that God said he sent? Amos 4, 6, uh, how would, what word would you use to describe that? Famine, right. There's a lack of food, okay? Now, by God's grace and through his miraculous provision, we haven't had a lack of food, but I can remember that first March during a the COVID season when uh, I went into the store and you couldn't find basics like flour on the shelves. And I said to my children, I said, you write this down. You write this down. When's the last time that I have not been able to get flour at a store? I mean, just mind blowing. Okay. So that's one of the things that God sent. And why did he give them that cleanness of teeth? Why had he sent that famine? What was the purpose in sending that famine? He tells us in verse six. Yeah, so why someone said over here, I think. Yes, Cara? Yeah, repentance. But you didn't return to me, he said at the end of the verse. End of verse 6, he said, you didn't return to me. Verse 7, and also I have withholden the rain from you. What do we call that? Drought. How all this talk about drought, right? There is drought. And, and I've also withholden rain from you when there were yet three months to the harvest, and I caused it to rain upon one city and caused it not to rain upon another city. Some of you remember a few years ago, Houston, we were having a drought here in California and Houston got like six, seven, ten inches of rain in a day, flooded out the city, right? So one place has drought, the other place has too much rain. And again, what is oh, God's purpose? Look at the end of verse eight. So two or three cities wandered into one city to drink water, but they were not satisfied yet. Have ye not returned Unto me, saith the Lord. So why did God cause it to rain one place too much and not rain enough another place? Why did he do that? Yeah, reconciliation, repentance, return to me. And they said, no, we don't want to do that. Now here's the reason I bring up, well, let's keep going. There's another uh, couple things here. Verse 9, I have smitten you with blasting and mildew. When your gardens and your vineyards and your fig trees and your olive uh, trees increase, the palmer worm devoured them. Yet have ye not returned unto me, saith the Lord. How many of you remember when egg prices shot through the roof? And what was the reason we were told egg prices were so high? Yeah, chicken flu, some sort of disease among the chickens. Who's in control of that disease among the chickens? Isn't it God? Amen. And what is God saying? Hey, I'm trying to get your attention. Listen up. But he says, you didn't return to me. Verse, into verse 9. So verse 10, he says, I've sent among you the pestilence after the manner of Egypt. A disease, COVID, 
a lot of sickness right here among the people who are members and friends of Elmira Baptist Church the last few weeks. Um, I, I don't know of anyone who's been hospitalized, but many people have been quite sick. Uh, who sends disease? God does. Why? So that we'll return to him, but nope, we're going to blame it on climate change. We're going to blame it on the Chinese. I mean, the, 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 here's my point. We can easily think that all these circumstances that are swirling around us are man-made. And certainly we can make things worse. <laughs> I want to admit that. I see this passage as a reminder that God often sends trouble to a nation to get their attention. To say, hey, pay attention. I got something for you. And what we... Uh, what I see in God's work often is when he wants to get someone's attention, he starts out small and he just keeps increasing the pressure until the person either runs away from him, which is a terrible result. I mean, running away from God is terrible. Or until the person turns back to him. Right? Think about Jonah. Jonah says, look, it, I, look I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to get on this ship. I'm going to go to Tarshish. First thing God sends, he sends a storm. And the sailors say, hey, it's okay. You read the text. The sailors say, it's okay. We'll just row to shore. But as hard as they try to get to shore, they can't get to shore. So they cast lots. God causes the lot to fall on Jonah. Here's Jonah's chance to repent and say, yeah, it's me. I, I, I should not have been running away. We've got to turn around. But Jonah doesn't say we've got to turn around. He says, you've got to throw me into the water. Now, I am not in Jonah's head. But does he think he's going to survive being thrown in the water? So... This is the way I read the, the text. Hey, I'm going to show God he is not going to get me to Nineveh. God says, okay, I'll just prepare a big fish. Great big fish is going to come eat you up. And you would think as soon as that sw fish swallows Jonah, Jonah would say, okay, God, you win. <laughs> I'll go to Nineveh. How long does it take Nona, Ni Nona, Jonah to say to God, okay, I'm ready to go to Nineveh? Three days in a fish. That is disgusting. Here's my point. God's just going to keep ratcheting up the pressure on the United States until we return to him. You can blame climate change. You can blame humans. You can blame, uh, uh, you know, Venus passing by the sun. I mean, you can, whatever excuse you want. What God wants us to do is to return to him. What God wants us to do, uh, us, I'm talking about the people in this room, not us, the Americans out there. I'm talking about us. He wants us to return to him. Now turn with me, if you would, to um, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, still the same thought about repentance and returning to God. We've got uh, Matt Galvin coming, uh, and he'll be here Sunday through Friday, uh, Sunday is our normal food and fellowship schedule. He's going to speak to the teens and then to us and then to us again in the afternoon. Monday at 7 o'clock, all of us. Tuesday, uh, 7 o'clock, the teens. Wednesday at 7 o'clock, all of us again. Thursday, 4 o'clock, uh, children. And Friday at 7 o'clock, we're doing the family night. Some of you are here when we did that again. So that's briefly just the schedule. Like I said, there's a list here you can pick up to be reminded of what it is. But I don't want to just go through the motions of having a special speaker. I like, I like Brother Galvin. He's a nice guy. Uh, and I, think he'll, I know he'll do a great job. I know his burden is to exalt God. I, 
what, whatever happens in this next week, if God is exalted, I know that Brother Galvin would be happy. So what we want to do is we want to cooperate with, what God, with God in what he's doing at Elmira Baptist Church. And I want to give you a burden for that. Luke chapter 13, they were present at that season. This is uh, Luke 13, 1. Some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So in other words, there's, there's a current event. In Jesus' time, they had, some of the Galileans had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate one of their uh, feasts, their festivals that was prescribed in the Old Testament. And during that time, Pilate had some of them killed. And uh, I think the point of bringing this up was, Jesus, what do you think about that? And here's what Jesus said in verse 2. Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners of all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those 18, upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. Another current event. There had been these people, and all of a sudden a tower fell over, and 13 of them were killed. And Jesus says, Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, here's the first lesson I want us to draw from these verses, and that is, don't wait for suffering to repent. I mean, God can bring suffering, but don't wait for suffering to repent. We had a lady in Mongolia, her name is Anya, and she would only show up for church when life was going wrong, going sideways. And she'd show up and she'd tell us what her problem was, and she'd ask us to pray for her, and we would, we pray for her. Sometimes we helped uh, financially or with food or rides or different things. And then she'd disappear for a few months. And, you know, we'd try to call, oh, I'm really busy and uh, work, etc. And then all of a sudden she'd show up at church again. And whenever she showed up at church, I, I just could turn to my wife and say, okay, there's a problem, right? And what is it this time? Don't be that type of Christian where God has to get your attention with a two-by-four. Turn with me. Hold your place in Luke 13. Turn with me to Psalm 32. Psalm 32 and verse 8. We're going to read 8, 9, and 10. Psalm 32, verse 8. God says to his psalmist, to his people, by extension, in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct thee, and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. What, it mean, what does it mean to be guided by somebody's eye? Just in general. If, I'm not talking about God here. Just among human beings, two human beings. What would it mean to be guided by somebody's eye? Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. Think about it literally. Think about a parent and a child, Right? Uh, let's imagine that uh, my child's seven, eight, nine years old. You know, he's old enough to pay attention. And I want to guide him with my eye. What does that mean? Yeah, Warren? Your experience or the, the uh, knowledge, the understanding of life, the things around you that you're seeing. That they yep. That's good. I agree with that. So the parent has superior experience, hopefully superior wisdom, right? And so he sees things coming that the child may not be able to see and he wants to protect his child. So what does, if, if I'm going to guide my son, my daughter, my child with my eye, what does my son or daughter need to do, Franklin? Need to perform the task. 
Okay, yeah, but think about this. I'm, I'm going to guide my son or daughter with my eye. What does my son or daughter need to do, Marisa? Not just my presence, but what my eyes are doing. Now, some of you have little children. I'm, I'm going to pick on Jessica. She's got a daughter, Ellie. I love Ellie. And, uh, you know, a lot of times these kids don't even know what's going on. They're not paying attention. They're just running around, right? We'll go out tonight after prayer and we'll have half a dozen of them chasing each other around on the patio. And by the way, I'm good with that. I mean, I wish we had a bigger grassy area where they could run, but that's not the point. The point is, if you were going to try to guide those children with your eye, there is no chance. Because they don't even see your eyes. They have no idea what you're doing. You've got to be paying very close attention. As a child, you have to be paying very close attention to your parent if they're going to guide you with just their eyes. Now they could guide you with your voice. Hey, stop that. Get over here, right? And that's one thing. But you're not doing that. You're guiding your children with your eye. God says, I will instruct thee and I'll teach you the way that you should go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And how do I know that, that part of it is just paying close attention to God? Look at the next verse 9. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near thee. Now, God could put a harness on me, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking metaphysically here. But God could put a harness on me, and then I'd have to pay attention, right? He yanks the reins. Oh, I guess he wants me to go this way. He yanks the reins. Okay. God says, I don't want you to be like that. I want you to pay close attention to me. So that when I say, hey, we're going over there. You see my eyes. Okay, we're going over there. And I don't have to pull you this way or pull you that way. That's my point in, uh, thank you, just a second. That's my point here. Don't wait for suffering to respond to God. Be so close to God. Have a walk with God that allows you to respond to him when he just is guiding you with his eyes. Yes, Guillermo. So I understood the analogy that you made about the kid and the dad. Yeah. Whatever, but in this particular, in the context here, what's the, so obviously God is not next to me holding it by my hand. So what is the interpretation? I love that. How, what is the application, right? Application. Yeah, how, how do we apply this to our life? Well, number one, we ought, to be, we ought to be paying very close attention to what God wants us to do, right? That means I need to be in God's Word daily. I need to be, have a soft heart so that when God says, hey, um, I'm going to just give you a life, real life example. He asked me a question and I wasn't prepared for it, so I'm sort of shooting from the hip here as far as application. But when I read, husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I better examine my own heart. Am I harboring any bitterness toward my wife? Now, I could wait until my wife goes over to, you know, Jessica again and says, Jessica, it's terrible. My husband, he's so bitter at me. And then Jessica says, AJ, you better go talk to pastor. He's struggling with. And then AJ comes and says, pastor, you can't be bitter toward your wife. And I'm not bitter at my wife. Let me tell you how bad a woman she is, right? I mean, we could go that route. And then AJ would say, oh boy, this got really bad. Come on, Guillermo, we got to go, you know, help pastor. We could wait till it gets that bad, couldn't we? I could be like a horse, like a mule, and God says, okay, you don't want to listen to me when you're reading my word. I'll, I'll, I'll get your attention. That's not the way we want to be. We want to be in touch. We want to be walking in the Spirit. So the spirit can say, yeah, yeah, you are harboring bitterness towards your wife. I'm using that analogy. But there's a lot of different things it could be, Guillermo. I hope, I hope when you're reading your Bible each day that you're reading it for profit, expecting God to point out things in your life that need change. Expecting God to point out places where you can be encouraged. Oh boy, I did that right. That's good. 
I'm going to do that again. Give you hope. I mean, there's some days, I, I don't know about you, uh, there are some days if I didn't have God's word, I'd, just, I'd be hopeless. Just pff, This day's a waste. But it's not a waste because God says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If I didn't have those verses, I'll tell you, sometimes you guys say to me, how are you doing? I'd say, I'm doing terrible. I've wasted the last three days trying to, right? But it's never a waste. It's an investment. Sure, I don't see the investment pay off in those three days, but I can trust God. So here's my point. How, do we, how does God guide us with his eye? I think when we walk in the spirit and we spend time in his word and we spend time meditating on his scripture, the Holy Spirit brings to our attention, our minds. Someone said to me recently, I've never heard God speak to me. You talk about God speaking to you and you're right. I've never heard God speak to me like I've heard you guys speak to me. But what I have had is I'm reading God's word and it's like, oh yeah, that, that's me. Right, Peter? Okay, now if, if, if you are, if what Guillermo has is contagious and you've caught whatever Guillermo has, one is bad. At, no, I'm just teasing Peter. Yeah. <laughs> Peter, you had a question. The question is, I think spiritual eyes is mentioned a number of times. Verse 8, be a relation to us using spiritual And what do you understand our spiritual eyes to be? Yeah, Peter, that's excellent. Yeah, as we gain in spiritual maturity, we do gain God's perspective. Not because we become God. No, 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 no. But because we're attuned to God's wisdom, we're attuned to God's way of thinking. And so we don't see just the surface level of our problems. We see beyond that. And yeah, part of that is spiritual vision. Yeah, thank you, Peter. But again, it says, I will guide thee with mine eyes. So this is God's eye guiding me and showing me where to go so that I don't have to be like the horse or the mule and God has to put a bridle on me and pull me this way or that way. Okay, go back to uh, Luke chapter 13 and um, we're going to continue on here about repentance. Don't wait for suffering uh, to repent. Don't wait for suffering to repent. Um, number two, I want you to notice that all of us need to consider our need for repentance. I, I started by saying all of us need to repent. I suppose that you could be walking with the Lord and there's no repentance needed. And I hope that's true for all of us. But let's be frank. What does Jesus say in this passage? In verse three, he says, nay, but I, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. And then in verse five, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now, I agree if your understanding of this passage, this is my understanding of the passage, he is talking here about salvation, about faith in Jesus Christ that's going to bring them out of a, a destiny for hell and it's going to change their eternal destiny so that they never perish. That's, that's the primary application of these verses. Secondarily, though, as Christians, I know what happens. We leave our first love, don't we? We, we, we grow weary in well-doing. We allow the little foxes that spoil the vines. And things that two, three, four years ago we just said, no, I'm never going to do that. We find ourselves falling back into bad habits. Things that we used to do faithfully three, four years ago, we find we're not doing them anymore. And I think it's important that all of us examine our own hearts to see what God is saying to us. 
And that's why I bring this topic to our attention here on Wednesday night before Matt Galvin comes, because he's going to come and he's going to preach. And I can tell you right now, I have not communicated with him what to preach about. I even asked him, I said, hey, you have a topic or a theme that you're going to preach on while you're with us? And he said, no, I, I, I don't. I don't. So, you know, if he comes and he starts preaching and you feel like pastor must have talked to him about me, I, I didn't. I didn't. That's the Holy Spirit trying to get your attention. And I want you to be prepared when that happens to respond to God. You don't have to come to me and say, hey, pastor, you were right. I'm not right. I, that is, that's not the point of this. I want you to consider that you may need to repent this next week. I may need to repent this week. I, I've been talking to God about me. And I've been saying, God, speak to me. Don't wait for suffering to repent. Number two, let's all of us consider the need for repentance. And in terms of that, your repentance is going to come from self-examination. What I mean by that is I doubt Matt Galvin's going to come up to you and as he shakes your hand, oh, what's your name? Yeah, my name is, you know, Billy and, and I'm, or Bob or whatever. I'm Bob. Yeah, Bob, I really feel like you need to. I don't think he's going to do that. What he's going to do is he's going to open the scriptures for us and he's going to, because the Holy Spirit's going to lead him too, and he's going to preach on a topic that speaks right to my heart, that speaks right to your heart. And when he does that, you're the one that has to examine your own heart and say, yeah, is that me? Because ah, I can't tell you how many times, I can't tell you, for, I'm a pastor, so it's very different for me because I do know your problems, right? Sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm I, I don't preach to people that I don't talk to, by the way. So if, if you have a problem, I will come to you and talk to you. But sometimes I've been talking to you about a problem I haven't gotten through, so I say, I'm just going to preach on this. So I pick a topic and I preach on it. And then later, that person that I, I know needs this topic, they'll come to me and they'll say, oh yeah, that was so good, my wife needed that. <laughs> like, whoa, no, you just missed it, right? They come to me later, oh yeah, yeah, Guillermo, boy, I, I really saw him in today's, what? I don't need you to examine the other person. God doesn't need you to examine the other person. God needs you to examine yourself and say, is this me? Now, if, after you've examined yourself, sometimes the Holy Spirit gives me freedom. I've examined myself. I do. I pray for someone else. God reminds me, needs that particular message, and that's fine. But start by examining yourself. Yea, except ye all uh, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now look at verse 6 with me, Luke 13. And there's some more I want to say from the other first five verses, but I want to get to verse 6, 7, 8, and 9 here. He spake also this parable. And this parable is related to the last topic about repentance. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon, and he found none. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? And he, this would be the dresser of the, of the vineyards, answering, said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well, and if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So here's what he says. The uh, Lord of the vineyard, the owner of the vineyard, comes to the guy who actually runs the vineyard, and he says, listen, I keep coming to this fig tree. Three years now I've come to this fig tree. Year one, year two, year three, and it never has any figs. What's the point of having a fig tree with no figs? Just cut that tree down, right? It's worthless. There's no point. And the uh, guy who runs the vineyard says, listen, you're right. I get it. Let me try one more thing. Let me try putting dung, manure, 
And what, what's the purpose of manure around a tree? Fertilizer. Let me put fertilizer around it. And let's see. Let's try, let's try giving the tree some special attention, some extra attention. We'll put fertilizer around it. And then if it has a crop, we'll know that we just need to keep it fertilized, right? That, that's his point. I had some friends, or my dad had some friends in, uh, in Tehama County, north of here, a couple hours. They had um, uh, prunes, big prune orchard. And their prunes, the production of the prunes just took a terrible dive. And no matter, it seemed like no matter what they did, they, they, they'd third generation prune rancher, just weren't getting prunes out of this one orchard. So they were getting ready to pull up all the trees and start over. When one of the sons said, hey dad, I'm going to just, just for the fun of it this year, I'm going to put chicken manure around those trees. So he got a bunch of chicken manure, truckloads of this stuff, he put it around the trees. Beautiful crop of prunes. Just needed chicken manure. So if you have a prune tree and it hasn't been producing, try chicken manure. They, that's what he's talking about here. Now, Let's bring this over. Why does Jesus tell this parable at this time? Because he's telling us that repentance has an expiration date. That God will give you, you know, if you're not producing fruit and you're not, yeah, if you're not producing fruit, God's going to say, okay, I'm going to give you some extra attention. But if the extra attention doesn't help, we're going to cut the tree down. It's not just going to hang around. We're, we're not, you don't have forever. Now, again, I, I don't have anybody in mind. I think I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to all of us. But often when a, and often when a special speaker comes, that's God's way of fertilizing his church. Giving us some extra preaching from someone who doesn't know us. So he brings a fresh approach. Often these evangelists, uh, uh, the ones that have blessed me, they have a walk with God that is so Amazing. How do I know that? Because they live in a little trailer with their wife and a couple of kids year round. How many of you could do that? I mean, they're walking with God. They come in. They, it's like a breath of fresh air. It's like extra fertilizer on the tree. It's like uh, extra watering around the bushes. And if our response is, no, that's, I, I don't need this. I'm good. Then what more do we expect God to do for us? I wouldn't be surprised if God says, okay, this, this Christian, they're just wasting space. I'm going to bring them home to glory. Now, I'm not saying about any of that about any of you. I don't know that. I'm just, I'm just saying that's, I can see how God treats his people that way. Sometimes I, I've seen Christians, it's as if God puts them up on the shelf and they just stay there the rest of their lives. They don't grow. They don't really serve. I mean, they serve, but they're grudging about it. Ah, oh, they asked me to do this again. I guess I have to. And, and they're, not, they're not fruitful Christians. But it's not because God hasn't tried. It's not because God hasn't given them water and, and, and sun and fertilizer. It's because their attitude is, I'm good. I don't need change. So repentance has an expiration date and... And let's just be aware of that. I don't know. I don't know what God is going to do through this next week. But I'm praying that he does something really amazing. Not so that we can just sit back and say, oh, that's amazing. Woohoo!" No, because we want God to be exalted in our community. We want the heathen. That's what they are. We want the heathen to say, something is different about those people. Now, frankly, if they did much examination, they wouldn't like it. We know this because they hated Jesus. But we want them to realize there is something different. 
So when it comes to prayer for our time with, with Matt Galvin, here's some suggestions. You, you pray as the Holy Spirit leads you, but here's some suggestions. First of all, I'm asking you to pray every day. I hope you already started. Some of you already have started, but if you haven't, go home tonight and pray. Uh, pray tomorrow morning, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Pray every day. Pray for our evangelist. Pray for his family. Pray that they can sleep. I mean, we have a train that goes by in the middle of the night. And pray that they can sleep. Pray that they stay healthy. There's some illness going through our church. I know that. You know that. We don't want them to catch it. Pray for us to benefit from the conference. Pray for people to come. I, I was just going through our directory today. I do that from time to time. I pray through the directory from time to time. Going through the directory, I, I thought, you know, I don't even expect to see this guy more than Sunday morning. It's the only time he's going to be here. Now, I'm not talking about any of you because you're here Wednesday night, okay? But, you know, here's a lady. I mean, she's not ill. She's not elderly. She just doesn't ever come except Sunday morning. Don't let that be you. And pray that God would motivate these other people to come. They wouldn't just stay home and, yeah, I, I went Sunday morning. Yeah, he was okay. Yeah, I like pastor better. That's not what we're trying for here. We want people to be motivated to come out. We want them to come out Sunday afternoon and again Monday night and Wednesday night and Friday night. So pray for that. Pray for people. And oh, as you're praying, pray that you and, and the church, us, we would be quick to respond to the messages. Um, we don't often have... Some of you are familiar, you, you have a background in independent fundamental Baptist churches where everybody comes down to the front at the end of the message, and we don't have that tendency here. And I don't... But don't hesitate to respond to the Holy Spirit. If He leads you to come down to the front to pray, come down to the front to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. You can pray where you're at. I'm comfortable with that too. But whatever it is, determine, ask God, to make you quick to respond to the messages and that the rest of us would be quick to respond to the messages. Pray that people would be saved, that God would save people, that those people would be baptized and they'd be added to our church. Um, I'm, I've been praying for that. Pray for the salvation of people. Pray too that God would heal some marriages in a miraculous way. Now, I don't know of any marriages among our church members that are in need of repair. But by the time I know that they need repair, it's usually too late. Let's pray that God would heal some marriages this next week. There are some people who um, um, are, are, are attending our church. They, they could use a miraculous intervention in their marriage. I, I, they've talked to me. I don't have any magic plan. They, they need God to intervene. Now, Remember in Acts 3, we looked at this uh, Sunday night. In Acts 3, we had a guy who had been crippled from birth. What are the chances of a guy crippled from birth walking after 40 years? Zero. If God can raise him up and give him feet and ankles to run and jump and leap without any physical therapy, can God heal a marriage? I'm, I know he can, so let's pray for that. Let's pray for um, addictions to be broken. We don't have time to get into the next uh, event here in Luke 13, but it's a lady who had an infirmity for 18 years, and Jesus heals her in an instant. And, of course, the leader, the synagogue leader, gets upset. Come, come uh, what, Sunday through Friday to get healed. Don't come on the Sabbath day to get healed, he says to, to the lady. 
And Jesus says, what's more important here? If your ox, if your your donkey was stuck in a ditch on a Sabbath day, on a Saturday, you'd get it out, wouldn't you? Isn't this lady more important than your farm animals? And if God can heal a lady who's been infirm for 18 years, then certainly God can, can break some addictions. And I know people in our church have addictions. Now, we don't like to talk about it because we're, you know, we're good Christian people. <laughs> but the truth is, we've got, we've got problems. Let's pray that God would use this next week to break addictions to alcohol or drugs, addictions to pornography, addictions to video games and entertainment, uh, addictions to sports, whatever it is that God wants to do in our lives. Let's pray that God would do that. Let's pray that God would change some life goals this coming week. I am so burdened for the young people of Elmira Baptist Church. And a young person is pretty much anybody younger than me, okay? So young people, because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. James 4 tells us that if we turn to the Lord, he will turn to us. That's what, that's, but so many of our young people, they're distracted by other things. Let's pray that this coming week, they would get a vision for putting God and, and his will for their life first, making that their priority, seeking him. And let God add the rest to them. Let's pray for middle-aged people. Let's, let's call myself middle-aged. Let's pray for the middle-aged people. You know what happens? You get to middle age and you become disillusioned. You get a little bit tired and you get a little bit discouraged because things don't always go the way you want. And you say, you know, I'm just going to punch the clock, right? I'm just going to put in my time. I'm not going to be a fanatic about this. I'm just going to just, you know, I'm, I'm going to look good. I'm going to make sure that I don't get any, draw anyone's attention because I'm not doing my job, but I'm just going to put in my time. A businessman and I were talking recently. It's that guy who has at work who's about to retire. And I mean, he's got four or five years, but he's already got one foot out the door, right? And yeah, he shows up at work and he does his job, but you know and I know that he doesn't really want to be there. So, you know, we can get that way in our Christian life. And yeah, you come. You're here. It's a Wednesday night. There's a whole bunch of people. They'll be here Sunday morning. And, and that's, that's it. Unless God grabs a hold of their heart on Sunday morning, they're not going to come back the rest of the week. Let's pray that they would come back. Let's pray that we'd have some middle-aged people who get excited about serving God again. I'm going to call the rest of the, the, the age, let's call these fourth quarter saints. Some of you are familiar with Don Sisk. He wrote a book about the, you know, the fourth quarter. You know, it's, it's as, as, we go through seasons of life and there are limitations and infirmities that prevent us from doing the things that we used to do. It doesn't mean we have nothing to do. And I appreciate uh, Kurt and Marisa. They had some help from several of you. Had a breakfast on Tuesday morning. It was a fellowship breakfast. But one of the things that they wanted to communicate was there is still work for you guys to do. And there is. So let's pray for some of these fourth quarter saints to see what God's calling them to. More prayer. Maybe there's a specific a, a person that they can mentor. Maybe uh, an older couple mentoring a younger couple. Uh, maybe there's a particular ministry here at Elmira Baptist Church that they can be a part of. Not just saying, okay, well, I, you know, I hope Jesus comes soon. And I hope Jesus comes soon. Don't get me wrong. 
But until he comes, let's be busy. Let's be eager. Let's be excited about serving him. Let's pray that this week would be one of those times that gets our attention. I am, con- I am absolutely convinced that it's not climate change that's causing the fires in Maui. It's not climate change that's causing the tropical storms in Southern California. It's not climate change that's causing the heat dome. It's not climate change that's causing the forest fires in Canada. It's God trying to get his people's attention. It's God saying, hey, I ha- I'm, turn to me. And as long as we say, now, now I, I think what I need to go is buy a hybrid car, then we're going to miss it. Now, I'm not saying, if you buy a hybrid car, great. If you have money to buy two, give me one, okay? I'm not against hybrid cars. That isn't the answer. The answer is we need to return to God. Some people think, well, we just, you know, 2024 election, we'll get the right people. Listen, we can vote for all the right people, and it's not going to change our nation unless God gets a hold of our hearts as Christians first. So I'm so burdened that we take this week of meetings with Matt Galvin seriously, that we pray. We met about a month ago in a home to pray. Uh, this last Sunday night we prayed. I hope you already started to pray daily, but let's, let's be, it's time to be serious, is what I'm saying. It's time to be serious. I, I've told this story a hundred times because this so well illustrates what I'm trying to get across. I was coaching a group of high school boys, and there was a tournament coming up, and I figured they all wanted to win the tournament, but they were goofing off in practice, and they weren't learning the we uh, weren't doing the drills carefully. And I, I said, listen, guys, we are never going to win this tournament unless you guys put in more effort during practice. I said, how many of you want to win the tournament? About two guys raised their hand. Forget it. We're not going to win the tournament. They don't care. They just want to. I said, well, I said to one of the best players, what are you doing here then? Oh, I'm just here to have fun, coach. Okay, fine. We're going to have fun. But don't ask me to help you win the tournament because you're not going to win the tournament. And sometimes they think as Christians, what are you doing here? Well, I, I, you know, hey, I, I come to church. These are where my friends are. Okay, fine. I'm, I'm glad for you, but we've got to get beyond that. We've got to say, what is God doing in our church? How are we going to glorify Him? And not just be content to go through the motions. So that's my burden uh, tonight. And I hope you'll take these thoughts home. You'll pray, ask the Lord to lead you in how you pray for this upcoming meeting. And that you'll have a burden for yourself for your family, for this church, for our community to be impacted in an unusual way through Matt Galvin's time with us.